0: Hello and welcome back. Today we have a very interesting topic on Industry 4.0. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome Amit Kurhekar, uh, who is currently the director for data science in Iodli uh, and who has spent over a decade doing some very interesting things on data science aspects of in the manufacturing group in uh, Procter & Gamble. Amit is, uh, you know, in addition to being a ve- accomplished professional, uh, he goes out of his way and volunteers his time to help out youngsters in becoming good data scientists. A lot of his mentees today are very successful data scientists in different companies across india and across the world so amit welcome aboard thank you shrini thanks for those kind words so amit first things first right so what is this beast called industry 4.0? Uh,
1: what happened is over a period of time when uh, mechanization started there was steam power then water so it started with like some of the mining activities the steam power gave uh, textile and milling some some power. The steam revolution was called first industrial revolution. Later on, the mass production assembly lines, that was called second industrial revolution, uh, which was basically assembly of uh, different automobiles and all. Now, uh, the third industrial revolution was basically think about uh, a PLC or a controller uh, programming. So world started moving towards high-speed assembly lines along with some bit of automation uh, with the help of controllers and PLCs. So that was called third industrial revolution and we are in an age where everything is connected. So now we do have PLCs, but through cyber physical systems, everything is connected. And this leverages all those controls, computers, data. Uh, AI, machine learning, everything coming together to form a fourth industrial revolution, uh, wherein like uh, there is machine to machine communication, there is man to machine communication. So there are in all ways, uh, this is the fourth industrial revolution, which is coming into play. And driving today's uh, companies and organizations.
0: Fantastic. Uh, so, what you mean to say basically is that all these technologies coming together, right, and making Industry 4.0 happen. When we are talking in a uh, you know, in a general context about Industry 4.0, it referred to primarily for the manufacturing and you know, related aspects. But based on what you just said, looks like it's beyond just manufacturing. It can pretty much be applied as a concept to many other industries. What do you think about? Exactly. So. Uh, we always started with manufacturing the concept evolved over
1: there but think of it like in manufacturing when you would think about it you might think about asset utilization but that's not the only way when you think about a worker working in a manufacturing plant it could be a smart worker that smart worker is that is that person safe um, is that person wearing the proper PPEs Um, In terms of um, supply chain, when you think about it, uh, which is going beyond manufacturing now, uh, can you predict the out-of-shelf for a particular key uh, finished goods? Uh, If it is critical raw material, can you predict that critical raw material going out of stock? Now, these are really the extensions. So though the concept starts with pure manufacturing, the applications are several when you think about quality in quality you can think about uh, statistical process control that's very very basic but concept really expands into identifying uh, what is the faulty product online with the help of vision cameras and then rejecting that or sorting it out online or utilization of cobots uh, in end offline automation so It goes well beyond, and uh, think about various industrial domain like wind energy, solar energy, um, oil and gas. Uh, It could be used like predictive maintenance, but at the same time, uh, remote monitoring of the equipment, health of the equipment uh, from that standpoint. Uh, If it is oil and gas, uh, the applications could be so diverse, uh, we can't even imagine about it because it's all uh, heavy equipment industry.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, and that's very well said, uh, but if, in order to make such a huge application happen, so on the one side, you need to have connected sensors or other things that will give you an IoT kind of a, uh, you know, capability. On the other side, you need analytics and data and whatnot, right? So what are all those tools and technologies that are required? You know, uh, let's take a typical manufacturing setup again uh, for, for an example. So what are those tools and technologies that will be required for us to even implement these basic use cases, right? And also in terms of human skill sets, what kind of skill sets should we be hiring? If we are thinking of starting the journey of industry 4.0 in our organization.
1: Absolutely. So typically uh, for any organization, if you think about any organization and if we are thinking about specifically to their manufacturing plants across the organization, not every plant would be at the same stage of maturity. So you would always have some showcase plants who would be uh, the smartest of the world. And there would be some uh, conventional plants who are there from last 25, 30, or 50 years and having conventional equipment uh, which cannot be replaced or it's not financially feasible or viable to be replaced. Uh, To get started fundamentally uh, on this journey, uh, you need data. Um, You need uh, visibility of the data. So having some data capture systems at appropriate level, uh, that's what will help you to get start um, your industry 4.0 journey. Uh, Think about if it is pure manufacturing in a conventional way, what really makes sense? What is the problem you are trying to solve? And based on the problem you are trying to solve or address, uh, you might want to capture um, that, that data. So when you think about Uh, your air compressor, and that's the most critical equipment in your company, Uh, probably uh, sensorizing the same uh, might make sense. Um, So putting on additional sensors or capturing that data, storing that data, and then uh, doing some of the predictive maintenance thing. But if that's not the case, um, you are doing manual assembly line. In that manual assembly line, uh, end of the line, you need to do hundred percent inspection, and that that assembly like it's completely manual. You are, uh, uh, and the use cases could be in electronics manufacturing, though it is highly automated. But think of some some small and medium scale industries. So in those cases, having a vision camera to identify a missing part could also come in play. So it's not something that you know, every company uh, would have same amount of maturity but fundamentally you just need data you need to have uh, some of the basic skills wherein like you need to solve a particular problem in a most creative way and uh, that could start with like capturing the data means like having some databases uh, it could mean that some mes scada or led line event data system or historians some business data capture tool once you have that uh, you would need some basic skills within the company, which could be data sciences, data engineering, uh, or someone having deep systems knowledge, a uh, domain expert. And um, you need to have problem. Once you have all of this, um, uh, probably that's a definite, yes, uh, once you have management uh, buy-in, uh, that's definitely a good starting point for a company to get started on industry 4.0
0: journey. Fantastic. That, that's a that's a good insight. So basically what you're telling is, uh, let's start with the business problem, identify one or two or three key high impact problems that can give the best bang for the buck, the so-called low hanging fruits in our business lingo. Right? Yeah. Now for those, instead of collecting the every data that could be collected, you know, spending millions of dollars, can we just collect the data to begin with only for, you know, that are relevant for these business problems that are identified, right? And start analyzing them so that the management starts seeing some ROI, and then we can get more and more buy-in. You know, as you as you go through this journey. Can exactly, I
1: always um, I always uh, uh, suggest uh, early win. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever you are starting your journey, early win is the most important thing, which will get management attention. Once you have management attention, you can do all uh, kind of fancy stuff, uh, wherein like you want to do machine learning uh, and data science. That's perfectly all right. But you have to earn bread earn and butter, solve some of the fundamental business problem through which you get management buy-in. That's the most essential part. Absolutely.
0: Amit, at this point in time, let me take a pause and ask you a very important question that might come in the way of organizational structure and CEO's uh, vision about how he wants to organize his leadership team. Uh, some of the things that you said, actually a lot of things that you said allure to what we do in data science side of things, right? Of course, there is data, you have sensors and sensors and the data, etc. But beyond that, it is a lot of data science looks like when you talk of Industry 4.0. So does it make sense for the chief analytics officer or whoever is leading the data science in the organization to run the Industry 4.0 initiative? Or should it, should there be a separate uh, uh, you know, group uh, direct coming under the supply chain VP? Who, who runs the industry 4.2 as an initiative? Should they be separate or should they be intertwined with data science?
1: It's a great question, Srini. I think uh, there's no perfect answer for this. Uh, there are a few companies, what I've seen is they have a corporate group and through, which, through this corporate group, they're driving those efforts. And uh, one of the challenge with corporate groups um, and driving the effort is uh, those proof of concept stay at proof of concept level. It does not get matured into a deployment. Primarily, like by the time proof of concept is done, uh, businesses uh, lose interest and or they do not have time and money to go and fund that initiative. Uh, And they would not have skin in the game because those POCs are funded by corporate. So they would be least interested to pay attention and then uh, solve the business problem. Uh, If it is laid uh, in a siloed organization, um, in those cases also there is definitely a challenge because those all siloed organizations you would see huge amount of duplication of efforts. And those duplication of effort is not good for the organization because one plant or one organization is doing one experiment and other uh, other organization is doing the same experiment, which is huge waste. So typically in those cases I would recommend hybrid structure. So kind of central oversight uh, initiatives funded and led by individual organizations. Now, uh, the role of chief analytics officers in this case is kind of being a sponsor or flag bearer for these kind of initiatives and driving synergies across various clients across various organizations. End of the day, uh, the capability in Industry 4.0 leverages emerging technologies. So, although uh, the chief supply chain officer or supply chain officer should be a partner, definitely, but uh, in terms of being able to drive, uh, probably it would be an emerging technology group or chief analytics officer within the company, because uh, in a way to do experiment and drive that at scale, uh, they are the most uh, uh, appropriate groups to drive that synergies. Hmm.
0: Hmm. A hybrid approach where the chief analytics officer takes the ownership, but treats the supply chain guys as maybe, you know, quote unquote customers.
1: They are, And they are partners, right? For example, the, the uh, supply chain officer would be the sponsor and partner for that uh, in a way that they would take the end product and they would say yes or no but all the domain knowledge would come from supply chain experts mm-hmm. or operation experts so in a way there has to be buy in and um, when you fund those initiatives from different individual plants you are not funding it through corporate so while funding that's the buy in point every they would have skin in the game end of the day if it is there um every poc either you would see a poc very successful getting implemented or otherwise, if it doesn't make sense, obviously, then um, people would take it out.
0: Great. So, uh, Amit, let's make this a little real for everybody. So, are there a few companies that have gone through the journey of uh, you know industry four point two a little bit and seen the results, or are there some popular use cases that have been implemented across uh, you know different companies and industries that have given you know definitive ROI for organizations that are implementing this? So,
1: yeah absolutely that's very important so there is a company called jd.com which is e-commerce uh, big e-commerce company mm-hmm. in china right uh, they have fully automated warehouse um, system in shanghai uh, which is like automatic storage and retrieval system there's no human in a loop it's completely automated that's a uh, huge implementation so um, the application is really great uh, in terms of efficiency or Complexity of operations, think about e commerce. Uh, the complexity of operations is extremely high because if a customer orders uh, part one, part number two, uh, or rather item number one, item number two, and item number 88, um, an individual worker would have to go and fetch those items. Versus if you have automatic storage and retrieval system, those storage locations would be known and it would be sent to the packing location automatically. So that's a fantastic example wherein, like, you could drive synergies. Another um, nice example which I was able to find is, like, uh, Nestle. Uh, They have IoT-connected coffee machines. And another interesting example is recently they have started an initiative um, for sustainability. So they would have a coffee-filling machine, and then you just take out your jar and refill that coffee. So that's another nice example, uh, which would require remote co- monitoring capability. Uh, it would also uh, require uh, how, much, uh, or how much is the sales and all. So uh, definitely that's a nice example. Tyson um, uh, that's another uh, auto ancillary, uh, wherein they are using cobots in their end of line or other uh, in the assembly shop, along with people to assemble the suspensions uh, in their factories uh, it's basically companies are leveraging uh, today we are living in a world wherein like few companies wherever they are finding value they are just going ahead and implementing where there is value there is there is definitely a willingness to invest in the technology and in implement
0: very interesting and i guess amazon also has these uh, you know pretty much automated warehouses uh, where there's yeah. hardly any human intervention required, similar to the JDM. Absolutely, absolutely. Said. But I don't know if there is a, like a thick line that we can draw between pure play automation and industry 4.0 initiatives, or they're kind of uh, you know, merging into one big uh, umbrella, if you will. Uh, I wouldn't separate out uh,
1: pure play automation and industry 4.0 because, see, um, automation, end of the day, uh, if it is reliant on connected systems, um, it's it is uh, a part of Industry 4.0. So, um, and Industry 4.0 is a concept. So, think about uh, the warehousing uh, systems. Think about the supply chain um, data and analytics, or uh, think about the tracking of the vehicle uh, in a fleet management. So, all those are concepts, and those concepts applied to improve. Uh, the bottom line or top line of the company, uh, end of the day, it's going to help the company. Um, that way, um, I think uh, drawing a thick line uh, might not just work out. It's just uh, there is very thin line. We can't really separate out, very, which is purely automation versus um, um, industry 4.0 concept.
0: Very, very well said. Now, i mean, going back to the JD.com or the Amazon example that we were just talking about, right? So, to automate a warehouse of the Amazon or JD.com size, uh, no, it's it's quite an investment, both in terms of money as well as in terms of the number of months that you need to go through and also all the change management that you need to do uh, you know, with respect to the people who manage this and so on and so forth. right? And a lot of piloting, testing, you know, testing and learning involved and so on and so forth. So, clearly, it's a multi-year journey.
1: Right?
0: Um, okay, let's assume that I convinced my board to go invest in this and so on and so forth. But... As you are going through this, uh, say, 18 month, 24 month or six month journey, how do I know if I'm making progress, you know, in this kind of thing? So there is a technology aspect, there is analytics aspect, there is people aspect involved. And eventually the CFO is going to see the ROI, you know, many, many months later, right? So how do I know if I'm making progress in this journey?
1: Exactly. You said it right. Um, It's not something that um, you would start today and then you have a definitive date, that uh, end date for your Digitally transport, comp- transform company would be this. Uh, there would be always a path. Uh, there has to be ROI-based investment, uh, which has to happen into the company. Um, initially, the investment might be higher, but end of the day, it has to give return. Uh, you, s- you absolutely are spot on on that. Now, how do we track uh, the ROI? So, um, this is my idea, right? Uh, anything, so, uh, and uh, when I quoted the example of early win to get the management buy, uh, this was uh, one thing which I used to follow and this I still follow. Uh, for any of these projects uh, and in manufacturing or any industrial environment, it is extremely tough to get any kind of fund- funding. So, those fundings are one of the toughest things. So, to get the buy in, one of the lowest hanging fruit could be starting with your visualization. <laughs> Now, those visualization or um, having a standard way to measure things or measure performance, that could be one of the way to get started um, in terms of what it would require. It would probably require extremely small amount of investment in data capture, uh, some visualization tool, and someone who is trained on uh, some uh, Power BI, Tableau, or some of the dashboards, and some people using it. Uh, Adoption would be higher. Uh, That's the first entry for any company, any manufacturing organization where there's nothing. Um, End of the day, what they are going to achieve, they are going to achieve the asset efficiency, productivity improvement, uh, throughput improvement. If that's the problem, if it is a sold out capacity, that's going to be one of the most important. So if you focus on the right problem statement, if you focus on some of the bare minimum investments required, Obviously, you can show a terrific amount of return on investment because think about a plant or a uh, company who is producing twenty four by seven. Any additional available hour, uh, which could be like uh, reduced in the form of reduced downtime or uh, increased uptime, uh, that is extremely valuable for that organization because that is that is that will fetch them additional amount of rupees or dollars uh, produced. Uh, so that way uh, that's the way uh, it would start now how do we measure this journey uh, year on year or uh, what should be the roadmap and roadmap uh, be, uh, is uh, important uh, uh, to be defined in a part uh, part of organizational maturity because it's not one size fits all um, in an organization you would have some of the plants which are having conventional equipments, which are extremely old. So do you really want to make that factory as one of your flagship bearers, smart factory? Probably no, you can't really throw out all of those equipments and there would be one of the uh, factory wherein you would have all the latest and greatest equipment uh, with latest controllers, new data systems, data capture systems. Now, uh, you would obviously differentiate. So there is technical readiness aspect in that. Also, there is uh, organizational readiness aspect. So you you can have data, but if you do not have people who can understand that data and analyze and recommend, uh, then it's probably not going to help you. So having that roadmap over a period of time in a way that you are increasing technical readiness, which means that, uh, earlier you were just having the data capture system for line event. Then you started capturing the sensor um, or time series data for through historians. Uh, once you had that, you actually shifted that data into central historian or a server for modeling purposes, phase one, phase approach, one, two, three. And then um, at the same time, uh, phase one is uh, on the organizational side you have people who are getting trained, aware about what is data and analytics, what is industry 4.0, why we should do that. Uh, Phase two is like practitioner training, developing some kind of practitioner based on analysis. Having some few people who are advanced uh, statisticians or analysts who are able to understand and recommend uh, and troubleshoot a problem solving. So that way you are maturing the organization and having just a few experts who are going to develop that complex model so that you can leapfrog into the next phase of your manufacturing journey. It could be in quality, it could be in productivity or any other field wherein you are maturing. So that way, um, whole of this process would take some amount of time. Uh, There has to be roadmap and phased approach. Uh, Once the earlier phase is successful, then you fund for the next step. And every phase has to uh, provide for itself So that you are constantly demonstrating returns uh, via each phase. So that way, uh, I think, end of the day, uh, are you saving any money? So are you helping uh, the bottom line? Are you helping the top line? That's what matters for the company result. Um, So measurement uh, could be in the terms of uh, cost savings, cost avoidance, um, or uh, incremental revenue. That way, uh, you could just focus on business objectives and deliverable. Uh, But sometimes it could be software savings aspect, uh, wherein you cannot really quantify, could be effort over saved. but ultimately it is simplifying someone's job. So they can focus on uh, some other productive work. So that's how uh, I would measure and then quantify the journey.
0: What you said was absolutely brilliant, Amit. So in most cases, we tend to look at journeys as linear functions. What we're selling, selling is that, let's not look at it as a linear journey, but it's a stepwise journey, right? At each step, you know, you have the organization readiness on one side, right? And technical readiness on the other side. And each, each step, each of them is increasing and giving a very definitive return on the investment, either in dollar terms or in non-dollar terms, but a definitive, tangible return on investment for the company, right? So, so in our other words, we call it as, uh, you know, creation capability and consumption capability. Uh, right. Uh, but this way, that way, it's the same thing where uh, both of them are increasing at every step, right? And there is a demonstrated ROI each, each of these steps so that the organization, the confidence on this uh, journey is reinforced. Exactly. Of- and in
1: some sometimes uh, at, at some point of time, what would happen is management will take leap of faith in terms of investing in this capability um, that they have faith and they guys take this money. Demonstrate what you can do uh, so that we have exponential returns. So I've seen uh, the digital technologies giving uh, in multiples, the ROI are in multiples. It is never 1x or 2x. It is definitely in multiples. So from that standpoint, getting the buy-in once you have early wins and uh, some of the organizational readiness, um one and there is management buy. obviously they will go and take a leap of faith in terms of funding these kind of initiatives
0: absolutely while i'm with you amit on this journey aspect and step function um looks like still there is a good amount of capex involved you know making this making this happen right My question back to you is while the procter and gambles of the world leavers of the world lab bears of the world can afford this Can medium-sized and small-sized companies even think of going through this journey?
1: (laughs) That's a brilliant question. And and what I've seen is um, over the last few years, um, uh, uh, obviously, the technology landscape has changed dramatically. Think about um, five to six years back, uh, people were not willing to send their data to the cloud. Um, So now what has happened is uh, there is AWS, Azure, and there are some uh, public clouds. Now, getting a virtual machine or a desktop is no more required, or physical or other physical machine is no more required. You just have uh, a cloud, and you can just rent that capacity at minimal possible cost. So, from that standpoint, uh, the investment or quantum of investment has definitely reduced um, uh, over a period of time. And then there is another fantastic aspect that there are several startups in the area of. Uh, industrial IoT. So if you would see uh, majority of the investment in IoT uh, today is happening in industrial IoT domain. Then second is uh, healthcare and then some other allied disciplines. But majority of the investment today is in industrial IoT. So that defines that There's definitely an opportunity. Uh, If I'm thinking about the startup ecosystem, they get venture capital money. Uh, So they definitely are the highest uh, amount of investment. They're pulling highest amount of investment from venture capitalists. Now, what it says is, it says two things. There is huge amount of potential and ROI. What they're doing is um, they're reducing the entry cost or cost of entry for a company, a small and medium enterprise, you can do an POC in few thousand dollars or few, uh, a few thousand rupees now versus buying a huge amount of platform or spending huge amount of money on a big uh, IoT or industrial IoT platform, that's one. Then there is always a way that if you've got a specific problem, um, you can have an in-house data scientist or an uh, engineer Trying to experiment with some of these systems, like once you have captured data, um, how do you visualize, how do you store, and utilizing some of the cloud services, the cost of entry is extremely low. So, um, although uh, it feels like it might require a huge amount of investment, but if there is a right problem statement in front of you, uh, I think there is a way to work it out. Uh, Obviously, I don't support making thousands of dollars of investment and um, you are running behind uh, one fancy deep learning algorithm wherein um, a vision camera is classifying an issue on some of your components, Uh, that experiment would take a couple of years to develop and at the same time, there's no guaranteed output um, in a smaller company. But uh, if you have time and money, you could do it in larger organizations. So it depends. Everything is um, relative. Uh, but the problem statements might be different in a small and medium enterprises than large amount of in large enterprises.
0: That, that's very well said. And one thing I would add to this is that, you know, maybe uh, small and large, of course, any company could adopt a portfolio approach to this where you do a lot of experiments right, and proof of concepts and only those that show a good amount of promise can be scaled up so that you don't have to spend those millions up front, especially when you're talking about a venture capital, and you don't want to spend that kind of millions. I know, unless there is a proved concept already.
1: Exactly. exactly.
0: Um, yeah, one interesting thing, um, I know, Amit, given the times that we are living in, do you think Industry 4.2 or applying those concepts would have helped companies in the COVID times when they were going through all the supply chain crisis?
1: Absolutely. Um, I definitely think, uh, so think about uh, uh, the companies who were shut down um, during the COVID crisis. Uh, you might have heard um, the while doing the startup uh, there were several accidents uh, explosions uh, when the boiler exploded those could have been prevented that's something very very basic another way uh, i could think about is like the companies uh, or manufacturing units especially they are concerned about um, well-being of their employees now any employee who is coming out to be COVID positive, they would have to screen the entire population of their operators and um, uh, workers. Now, that's not a great thing. How do you minimize number of footfalls into a manufacturing environment? Can you do that? Yes. If you have some capabilities like kind of remote monitoring, um, having data on your fingertips, uh, some of the mobility choices you would do the number of people who might be required to operate machines uh, and uh, uh, oversee the entire operation could dramatically reduce. So uh, in COVID, um, definitely my answer is it would have definitely helped. Now thinking about what could be the short term and longer term choices. uh, Obviously companies, they uh, have started up with minimum manpower, uh, some of the units. So social distancing apps, some of them might just help them to actually keep everything, everybody safe, uh, to start with that. Uh, some of the screening uh, technologies might just help, like temperature monitoring and uh, people movement. Um, so some of those choices could definitely help in short term. Longer term, I think uh, companies will come up with some of the roadmap items uh, which are going to help them uh, visibility in terms of data. Uh, how uh, and then inventory management, some of those things are going to be extremely important in coming days. And how do you handle a product um, in a touchless manner? So think about uh, when you are getting your next package from Amazon, uh, you want to see, uh, is it handled without human touch or no no touch operation? Is it no touch operation? That's going to be an extremely important component. So if it's food business, Is there a packing line? And if there is human intervention, someone putting in some food items manually versus can you automate that? uh, That could be one of the item. Uh, Another uh, example could be like in secondary and tertiary packaging, uh, without human, some of the automation uh, things might come into play. Um, So wherever possible human touch uh, should be avoided in these times and that way, Uh, companies will come out with some of the roadmap items on Industry 4.0, wherein how can they have touchless operations? How can they have minimum number of operators? And how can they get visibility of the entire operations end-to-end, including supply chain, on-shelf availability, uh, online, so that there is very less uh, human intervention required.
0: Great. Uh, so Amit, what would be your last final message uh, for business leaders and CX who are just beginning the journey to Industry 4.0 in their respective organizations?
1: Yeah, in fact, um, it has become a necessity rather than an option uh, at this moment uh, with uh, recent COVID crisis. Um, uh, I'll just give one example over here uh, in terms of if you would have seen uh, during the lockdown period, probably nobody was buying newspaper, physical newspapers. And even today, there are very few people who are actually buying newspaper. So the print media and advertisement, it actually shifted. 90% of the print media advertisements through newspaper, uh, it was stopped. They shifted the channel to digital and online media. So that industry has seen huge amount of transformation. Similarly, in today's world, uh, for the companies... It's a question of survival and thriving in the next toughest environment. So this is the technology and this is the way to thrive uh, leapfrog into the upcoming challenges. And this will definitely give you a lot of um, understanding and uh, firepower to actually overcome some of the next challenges which are being posed through pandemic like COVID and anything, whatever will come in the future.
0: Great. Thanks a lot for your insight, Samit. It was very, very wonderful to have a chat with you. Uh, thanks again for being with us.
1: Thank you, Shrini. It was a pleasure. Nice talking to you.